In June 1962, three prisoners attempted the impossible by escaping from the most secure prison of the time, Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary. Alcatraz has had a reputation for being impossible to escape since its creation in the 1910s. That's because with its high walls and armed guards, as well as its location 1.25 miles off the coast of San Francisco, outside of this possible exception, no one has ever escaped from the daunting prison without a trace. There had been 12 previous escape attempts before 1962, but all had resulted in the prisoners being recaptured, shot or having drowned in the San Francisco Bay. However, on June the 11th, 1962, inmates uh, Clarence Anglin, John Anglin, Alan West and Frank Morris made the most daring attempt to escape the prison island. This is the story of the 1962 escape from Alcatraz. Well, hello, my fellow weirdos. How is everyone? I hope everyone is fan-bloody-tastic. So, today, it's another collab. We love a collab here at Horror House. And joining me today are the lovely hosts of the amazing podcast, A Little Wicked, Kayla and Lexi. Welcome, 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 ladies. Hi, happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. No, the pleasure is all mine. How are you doing? How are you guys doing? We are swell. Well, I'm swell. Swell. Ooh, I haven't used swell in a while. Oh, that's, that's a, a good one. Good uh, I'm. Let me let me pull some more '90s uh, <laughs> slang. I'm stoked. People still say that. I say that. I say that a lot. So yeah, <laughs> yes, that is still said. Though swell as well. Swell is a good word. They need to bring that back. Splendid is also a good one. They need to bring splendid back. I like that. This has become such a different podcast. Uh, we're doing, we're doing pretty. We're... <laughs> like people are like, I was gonna say we're doing pretty poggers. Is... <laughs> pretty poggers. I've never heard of that. I don't know if that's just me being really uncultured. <laughs> are those just little things where you hit their oh, head and they dear. like go bit and like scream? I think so. <laughs> I, I saw a TikTok on one the other day, and I'm like, I need seven just so I can smash them all at once. <laughs> Oh dear, I love it. So before we dive into this little mystery that is still unsolved to this day, for those who haven't listened to your show, ladies, tell everyone a little bit about A Little Wicked and where people can find your show and where people can follow you on your social medias. Uh, so A Little Wicked, we cover um, like true crime, serial killers. We both try to do like lesser known stuff um, just to, like, you know, keep it fresh, more 90s slang. Um, <laughs> I love it. My head's turning um, into a gusher's strawberry as we speak. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. What else do we do? Conspiracies, cults. Um, Urban legends, creepy pastas, cryptids. Yeah. I'm your. I feel like I'm. I'm the urban legends guy. That's my. That's my vibe. You are. I'm always, I feel like a magnet for them. <laughs> I am. I'm always coming in with like weird internet rabbit holes, creepy pastas, urban legends, deer that shouldn't be, <laughs> deer that just aren't, <laughs> deerant, if you will. 
<laughs> oh, amazing. I love it. Uh, where can people find your oh my gosh. your podcast? Where can they listen to your wonderful, wonderful show? We are on just about anywhere you can get your podcast. Spotify, Apple, um, Stitcher. Uh, we recently just joined um, Spreaker Prime. So we're on Spreaker now as well. Um, so we're just about anywhere um, that you find us on podcasts. Um, on social medias, we're on um, Instagram under Little Wicked Podcast. We're on Twitter, Little Wicked Pod. And we're on Facebook, where we have a Facebook group of god-awful true crime memes. <laughs> it is. It's, it's just it's just memes. Um, it's memes, a space for people to, like, give us suggestions. Um, we do polls on, like, people's favorite cryptids or having people share, like, weird stories from their childhood. Um, it's, a f- it's a fun little group. Uh, the Instagram is great. We also keep that pretty fresh with, like, videos and memes on top of talking about yeah, the Yeah, Lexi's really good at keeping up with all that, so she'll thanks. Oh, yeah. keep you on your toes. Oh, yeah. I used, I used to run a meme page for my for my college. Um, first, it was a joke, but then the administration actually reached out to me, and they're like, these are great. Can we use these in official advertising? And I was like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um Awesome. Thank you for that, ladies. So before we get into today's episode, before we dive in, that was a really bad pun. I'm so Ooh, sorry. Oh, because it's Alcatraz. It's- <laughs> Let me tell you how thrilled I am when you when you started describing Alcatraz and I did the sigh of relief where I was like, oh my gosh, we didn't cover the same thing. <laughs> I was so happy. I'm so- I did something totally well, it's- different. <laughs> it's like you said, it's like the biggest fear when you do a clap, especially when you're like, we're not going to give away anything about the episode you just sort of sit there in like an eternal panic being like what if they've done exactly the same thing (laughs) just sitting there being like oh man this is keeping me up at night like what if they do it this what if they do it this is my my newest fear with kayla is that one day her and i come to do two recordings and we both just have the same exact thing covered Rest assured, uh, I will probably never do a, a deep creepy pasta like you because I can't find them that yes. way. I find like the common ones. So I can't even tell you how I find them. I feel like I just like black out and they come to me in a dream. <laughs> like, it's a fever dream of like Slender Man and his friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. So as I said, before we get into today's episode, I just want to give a little love to a new podcast that I've started listening to called Shit's Grim, which is like such an amazing name for a show. I'm kind of jealous. I, I might have to change my name, to be honest. That you, we, I'm, I'm just changed my artwork. I might change the show name as well. Might as well. Can you imagine? Just, the, just to change everything. An entirely new podcast. It's going to be a. <laughs> rom-com podcast from from next month um (laughs) true crime rom-com can you imagine (laughs) like a like a dating sim but for um instead of true crime i think a dating sim would be better for cryptids oh it would you know you get to pick your relationship is it the fresno nightcrawlers is it the squonk is it bigfoot oh that's a great idea (laughs) oh that's a great idea right so Horror House is going to be very different. <laughs> Just prepare yourselves, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so Shits Grim are an amazing true crime podcast that I've been listening to for for about a week or so. And they are, another pun, they are killing it. 
um and you guys <laughs> should definitely definitely go and check them out uh eli and yesi are super super lovely as well i've uh, chatted to to them on social medias and they're really really nice and they gave me a shout out as well on i think it was their last episode so thank you for that that's very very kind so i just wanted to give them a little love for the love that they showed me as well so with the housekeeping out the way are you guys ready to to get into this escape from alcatraz which may or may not have been successful I'm pumped. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to hear about I'm... the ultimate escape room to end all escape rooms. <laughs> yes. And I'm stoked. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, this ep- the oh, uh, the 90s slang just just give it to me. I love it. <laughs> Catch me googling like 90s slang to use during the episode. <laughs> oh, dear. So, Frank Lee Morris was born in Washington, D.C. on September the 1st, 1926. His parents abandoned him when he was 11 years old, and he spent the rest of his youth as an orphan in foster homes. At the age of 13, he was convicted of his first crime, and by his late teens, he had been arrested from everything, for everything from drug possession to armed robbery. He spent the majority of his early years in prison feeding prisoners lunch. He was later arrested in Miami Beach for grand larcenery, uh, automobile theft, and armed robbery. So this man, this man's got quite a rap sheet already. Like I mean, by the age of 13, he had already been convicted of a crime. And by his late teens, everything from drug possession to armed robbery. Fucking hell. It's starting to sound I mean, a little bit like the um, Chuck E. Cheese killer that we covered, where he had that criminal <laughs> record at such a young age. Like, Frank, just, what, like, do you need to talk, Frank? <laughs> just, <laughs> Jesus. School counselor, is it? <laughs> Chill I out, mean, my, he's, my man. He's committed. Like, <laughs> he, it's just. He is. At least he's, <laughs> that's a double entendre. <laughs> he is committed. Oh, is. And he is also committed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, (laughs) 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 so uh morris was said to be in the top two percent of the general population in terms of intelligence according to an iq test of 133 so he's he's got a bit of knowledge up there in his noggin you know he's not he's, he's pretty smart by the sounds of it I mean, I'm assuming 133 is good. I dread to think what my IQ test would be if I took one. I have no clue. I have dire. no clue what <laughs> okay. mine is. I don't, so can you bad. like take that online? Is that reliable? <laughs> I, I think you could like pay for one from like the, I don't know, official IQ people. I don't know what they're called. I'm not that smart. I'm not going to take it. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So uh, Morris was imprisoned in Florida and Georgia before escaping from the Louisiana State Penitentiary, where he was serving a 10-year sentence for bank robbery. On January the 20th, 1960, he was apprehended while attempting burglary and sent to Alcatraz as inmate number AZ1441. Escaping one prison just to get sent to another prison. My man is using all of his 133 <laughs> IQ. For evil. <laughs> Maybe he's just like a member of the Justice League that has just gone rogue or something. And he's just like, I'm, 
I'm just the Injustice League. <laughs> the Injustice <laughs> League. <laughs> the anti Batman. Oh God. In uh, ooh, in Donaldsonville, my my audience already know that I can't read most of what I put in my uh, outlines, so they're used to my mispronunciations by now. In Donald Donaldsonville, Georgia. John William Anglin, born May the 2nd, 1930, and Clarence Anglin, born May the 11th, 1931, were born into a family of 13 children. 13! Nope. <laughs> no. No, thank you. I'll pass. I've got, I've, I've got the one, and she's, she's, she's plenty. <laughs> I got a dog, and he's enough. 13 kids. Bloody hell, like, those parents, busy, busy, busy people. <laughs> like, obviously, they they were unconcerned with birth control. I don't know, was birth control around in the 30s? Probably not. I'm so. trying to think. They probably had some weird ones, because I know ancient Greece used some interesting birth control, one of which was actually a type of fennel that is now extinct because of how effective it was and how often the Greeks used it for birth control. And also uh, rolling up cow dung and using that as a cervical cap. Uh, or sorry, alligator dung, not cow dung. Yes. Where did we I don't go? think we do that anymore. I think what? we realize that that can um, kill you very, very quickly and easily. You're telling me nobody else uses animal dung? <laughs> I thought that was perfectly safe. I thought that was the gold standard. How easy yeah. was it to just find alligator dung in Greece is what I want to know. Like whose job is it to follow? Who's the first person who is it that? whose job is it to follow behind the alligator with like a bucket? <laughs> that that man is like just the constant short shore, isn't he? <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh dear. That's that's Ted. He's our birth control <laughs> intern. <laughs> oh man, ancient Greeks be be wilding out here. Like what what you did? <laughs> Had some hits and misses. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So uh the parents of uh John and Clarence, uh George Robert Anglin and Rachel Van Miller Anglin were seasonal farm workers who moved the family to Ruskin, Florida, 20 miles south of Tampa in the early 1940s, where the truck farms and tomato fields provided a more consistent source of income. So 15 kids, including John and Clarence. Can you imagine the noise? No. I would prefer not to. <laughs> nope. <laughs> how do you even keep track of that many kids? How do you how do you even I have time to make that many pairs? Like that's like I feel like you have so once you have so many kids, you don't have the time to be like making more. Like I'm more impressed that they found the time to make that many children. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, yeah. Like that's insane. Because like surely by your like I don't know sixth child, uh, should be like yeah maybe we should maybe we should like settle down maybe we should pump the brakes a little bit prioritize you know. sleep maybe we should get several get houses <laughs> get some sleep because <laughs> she had to have been pregnant like or around or over 10 years of her life oh. <laughs> that's that's, that's... that's... No, <laughs> it's a no from me. That is a hard. That is a hard pass from me. It. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No. Nope. Nope. I had. That, that I had a, a two-day labor. I would not do that fifteen times. 
<laughs> I would not do that 15 times. <laughs> Good grief. Just stop popping out. It's <laughs> Anglins. Fucking hell. Um, when Clarence was 14 years old, he was caught breaking into a gas station. In the early 1950s, the brothers began robbing banks and other companies as a pair, mainly targeting businesses that were closed so that no one was hurt. Noble. See? They aren't all that bad. They didn't want to hurt people. They just wanted the money. Just give me the money. Just want the money. They made a family business too. How a bunch noble. of them. <laughs> Crimin- criminality did. ran in the family. <laughs> they, <did>. <laughs> they claimed to have only used a toy gun once during a bank robbery. And the Columbia Savings Bank building in Columbia, Columbia Alabama was looted by John Clarence and Alfred Anglin in 1958. Alfred is such an unfortunate name. If you call your child <laughs> Alfred, then you've got to have some words with yourself because that poor child. <laughs> Do you reckon that was like the one of the least favorite of the 15? It was like, probably the last Alfred. one. They were like, I don't know, like Alfred. go go to the baby name book and just pick a page. <laughs> <laughs> Russian roulette it. They, they put like... They put loads of names on a dartboard and we just like just throw a dart at it and then whatever whatever one it hits. Like, yes, Alfred. It could be- <laughs> it's like how the Duggars all like all of them had J names for all their kids and there's like nineteen of them and you can tell at which kid they just like gave up. Not nineteen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That the the Duggar family. Um cult, by the way. Oh, maybe it is eighteen. It's it's more than sixteen. I know that, but I think it's less than twenty. Um and I think at one point they just started giving up on finding J names that made sense. Like I think they went oh from like God. Jacob and Jennifer. Like one of their daughters' names is Jinger, J I Ginger, Ginger. Oh, I'd only no. read it. I'd never heard it spoken. I thought it was Jinger. <laughs> <laughs> Ginger makes so much more sense. Oh, embarrassing for me to find out this way. <sighs> Alfred and Ginger really draw the short straw, didn't they? Our couple. Oh, dearie me. <laughs> so uh they were all sentenced to 35 years in prison which they served at florida state prison um leavenworth federal penitentiary and finally atlanta penitentiary john and clarence were transported to alcatraz after multiple attempts to flee the atlanta facility clarence arrived on january the 10th 1961 as inmate az1485 and John on October the 24th, 1960, as AZ1476. Alan West was born in New York City on March the 25th, 1929, and he died on December the 21st, 1978. Throughout his life, West had been arrested over 20 times. Not a very good criminal if you're getting arrested over 20 times. And they no. just like kept letting him go. Like that's Sorry. what gets me about that. He's arrested 20 times at each time. They're just like, you don't, you just stay like three days and you're good. Do your long weekend. Persistence is. <laughs> do you reckon they were just like, do you reckon they were just like, okay, so I know this is the 10th time, but don't do it again. Promise me you won't do it again. And he's like, no. How many times do we have to have this talk? Just stop like, doing I promise. It. Run along. Do you reckon like when they apprehended him every time they were just like, oh, Alan, Alan. Listen here, Al. I know you just don't like to not be free, but <laughs> maybe that was what his commitment was. Is is his goal was he's like I really want to get into Alcatraz, 
And he's like, let's see how many times I have to get arrested before they send me. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe he just, like, he saw how many times Bundy escaped from prison. He was like, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm just going to send him to go in. into prison. <laughs> <laughs> in 1955, he was sentenced to prison for car theft, first at Atlanta Penitentiary and subsequently at Florida State Prison. He was transported to Alcatraz in 1957 at the age of 28 for attempting to flee the Florida facility. That obviously went well. He was assigned the number AZ1335. So that's a little background on the four men. It seems they were rather adept at escaping prisons. West was rather adept at being a shit criminal um, (laughs) or or just really loved going back to prison, it seems. Um, But that that was a little entree. That was a little starter. We loved the food... We love the food. Um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Analogies. Uh, that's it. I was about to say allergies. We don't love food allergies. <laughs> <laughs> we love the food analogies because I love food. So this this podcast all about the food analogies. But that was the that was the appetizer. Now it's time for for the main course for the entree. It's time for the escape from Alcatraz. Are you guys ready? I am ready. I am. Yes. Cool. So the four inmates had already served time in Florida and Georgia and knew each other pretty well. Under Morris's supervision, they began devising an escape plan after they were allocated nearby cells in December 1961. They extended the ventilation ducts uh, beneath their sinks over the next six months with abandoned saw blades obtained on prison grounds, metal spoons from the mess hall and an electric drill fabricated from a vacuum cleaner motor. On top of the ambient sound of music hour, the men hid their work with painted cardboard and muffled the noise with Morris's accordion. How do you get an accordion into prison? It's it's too big to fit in a, a body orifice, um, so I don't think that was the method. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think... Morris is is smuggling his accordion up his up his ass in, in, this, in this one. I'm not gonna. Can you? You're you're right there, Morris. You're walking a bit funny. Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> Every time he steps, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> well, accordion to him, it was a necessity. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Once the, once the holes were large enough to pass through, not the hole for Morris's accordion, the holes in the in the in the walls, the guys entered. Thanks for clarifying. You know, just just in case people were were worrying or were concerned on that one. Uh, once the holes were large enough to pass through, uh, the men entered the unsecured utility tunnel directly behind uh, their tier and ascended to the cell block's vacant top level where they set up a covert workshop. They made life preservers out of approximately 50 raincoats and other stolen and donated items based on a design found in Popular Mechanics by one of the men. They also built a 6 by 14 foot rubber raft, hand-stitching the seams and sealing them using heat from nearby steam pipes. Scrap, wood and screws were also used to make the paddles. Finally, they ascended 
to the roof via a ventilation shaft and removed the rivets that held a big fan in place. This bit is is kind of... Uh, so I've seen photos of what they do for this little bullet point, I'm just going to say. And it's it's surprisingly realistic mm. and like it completely fooled the guards which is like and it was it was pretty well done to be fair what they so the met they what they did is they created dummy heads out of homemade paper mache like mixture of soap toothpaste concrete dust and toilet paper and gave them a realistic appearance with paint from the maintenance shop and hair from the barbershop floor while working outside the cells so they appeared to be sleeping with towels and garments piled under the blankets on their bunks and the dummy heads were propped up on the pillows. So that's kind like, of insane that that worked. Yeah. Like, I was like, that's crazy. Like, fair play. Like, but yeah, I was like, that's quite fascinating. So the men began their plan on the night of June the 11th, 1962, after making all of the necessary preparations. However... West discovered that the cement he had used to repair uh, disintegrating masonry around his vent had set, reducing the gap and securing the grill. The others had already left without him by the time he was able to remove the grill and rewiden the hole. So he went back to his cell and just went back to sleep. (laughs) I was just like, fuck it, I'm just going to go back to bed. (laughs) Not dealing with that right now. Like, it's like, no, <laughs> this, is, this is tomorrow's problem. This is not, this is not a current problem. This <laughs> like, is a future sleep. me problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So Morris and the Anglins climbed the ventilation shaft to the roof from the service corridor. As they emerged from the shaft, guards heard a tremendous crash, but, noted, but nothing further was heard, and the source of the noise was not probed. Uh, they plummeted 50 feet to the ground by sliding down a kitchen vent pipe, then climbed two 12-foot barbed wire perimeter fences, which is fucking badass, lugging their leg, lugging their baggage behind them. Two 12-foot barbed wire fences. I know I encountered a four-foot-tall barbed wire fence once, and it kicked my ass, so I can only imagine. <laughs> okay, I'm assuming you mean you attempted to climb it, not that it, like, pulled itself off the poles and just, like, like chased you down. you down the street and beat you. Like, I'll leave that to the imagination. Cool. I actually so. like my version of that story. Um, So I, isn't there a way to to sort of get get past barbed wire like isn't it like you throw a thick leather yeah um (laughs) but i'm trying to think of like anything they could have had with them that they could have thrown over the barbed wire as padding otherwise i'm like stunned as to how they could have possibly gotten past that high of a fence with that much barbed wire because that stuff is extra clothes maybe like if they like had like an extra shirt maybe like wrapped it down unless or they or Or if they just toughed through it for freedom i was gonna say or they're bleeding (laughs) they are bleeding a lot (laughs) maybe maybe they used one of the raincoats potentially and just draped it over there they did have a uh, an asinine yeah that was the purpose of the accordion they had a fuckload <laughs> the accordion is for um ambiance as they are sailing away. It's one guy, he's just the the party bard and his job is to play like sound effects as they're like sneaking away. If someone gets close, he plays like boss music. Can you imagine there's just this one guy on the accordion doing like the Benny Hill theme tune? They're like <laughs> climbing the fences. 
<laughs> the Weird Al of Alcatraz. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So they inflated their raft on a uh, concertina seeds from another convict and modified to act as bellows at the northeast shoreline. Um, investigators believed they boarded the raft after 10 p.m., launched it and set sail for their destination, which was Angel Island, two miles to the north. So say what you want about these guys. They were pretty meticulous in their planning of this. Like They, they seem to have dealt, thought of a lot of things, I suppose. This is one of those the cases, yeah, where I would say this isn't like, oh, they kept getting away with it because, you know, law enforcement was was failing to do their jobs in one way or another. Like, truly, these were clearly very crafty, very brilliant, very resourceful men mm. in in because this is this is elaborate. I mean, escaping yeah. from Alcatraz mm. and being successful is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's insane. Like there I think only one other person may have got to like Angel Island, but every other escape attempt was they either drowned or they were caught or they were shot. So like this is pretty this is pretty bad. This is pretty mad. We'll we'll ignore that West didn't even get out of his fucking jail cell, but it's fine. We'll <laughs> we'll over we'll 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 overlook that. He's the loophole, it's fine. <laughs> He was the man with the accordion from the cell playing the uh, playing. Guys, I was supposed to play the music. Uh, <laughs> so, due to the effective dummy head trick, the escape was not detected until the morning of June the 12th. Over the next 10 days, many military and law enforcement agencies conducted a intensive air, sea and land search. So a paddle was discovered drifting about 200 yards off the southern shore of Angel Island by a Coast Guard uh, on June the 14th. Workers on another boat discovered a wallet wrapped in plastic containing the names, addresses and photos of the Anglin's friends and relatives on the same day and in the same general vicinity. Uh, Shreds of raincoat material thought to be raft remnants were discovered on a beach near the Golden Gate Bridge on June the 21st. A prison boat picked up a deflated life jacket made of the same material 50 yards off Alcatraz Island the next day. No more physical evidence was discovered according to the final FBI investigation. FBI agents summarized early on that the men had drowned. They cited the fact that the individual's personal effects were the only belongings they had, and the men would have drowned before leaving them behind. However, no human remains were found at the time. A Norwegian ship, the SS uh, Norfell, saw a body floating in the ocean 15 nautical miles from the Golden Gate Bridge on July the 17th, a month after the escape. The corpse was not recovered and the sighting was not reported until October. The possibility that it was one of the escapees was dismissed by San Francisco County Coroner Henry Turkle, who emphasised the impossibility of a body floating on the ocean's surface after more than a month. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, at that point, yeah. you're... um. I think at that point, I was thinking, I was trying to think of a way to say like the gas is out of your body by that point. 
You deflate. Yeah. It. <laughs> so we don't know the technical it. term. You deflate. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm I mean, I, I would say that that's a pretty accurate term. Deflate. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that's that's very technically sound. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you know, because. Not the most sensitive, but it's still right. Yeah. Like, exactly. I guess I was trying to think of like a nicer way to say, like, your <laughs> corpse deflates like a balloon. <laughs> Okay. Here comes Kayla holding the needle to pop your, it. <laughs> your buoyancy decreases? It becomes similar to that of a pebble that a five-year-old has thrown. That's poetic. That's just that's very poetic. Thank you. Thank you. That's extremely poetic. <laughs> In- <laughs> Instead, uh, Turkle hypothesized that the body was that of Philip Herman, a 34-year-old jobless baker who had leaped off the Golden Gate Bridge five days before. Several coroners from surrounding counties disagreed with with Turkle, claiming that the remains could have belonged to one of the escapees. While it was theoretical conceivable for the men to reach Angel Island, FBI officials stated that the chance of them surviving the violent currents and freezing waters of the bay were extremely slim. West stated in the final FBI report that they planned to steal clothes and a car once they arrived on land, but no such thefts were reported in the vicinity. So, what we feel, what we what we thinking so far? So Any... I'm actually currently googling to see what <laughs> cardinal direction do the currents flow in on Alcatraz Island because Angel Island is north, and unless those currents were flowing north to actually assist them on an unmotored craft to get to the island. I don't I don't think they made it. That's what a lot of people um say as as to why they wouldn't yeah. have why they wouldn't have made it. It's quite a common one that comes up. I wonder like how they said um they may have stolen a car but they couldn't find a car that was stolen. Maybe they didn't take a car and they did land somewhere. Maybe. And they just like they just hiked like what was this? Like the um sixties? Uh sixty two, I believe. Yeah. Like there was a lot of like hitchhikers mm-hmm. and during the sixties and seventies. So yes. maybe they just like they just went. Maybe. That's true. Like, if- I th- I think if the current was in their favor to get to Angel Island, I think then it's very possible that they could have made it. Yeah. I think if they made it to Angel Island, then it, it would be more possible. If they didn't make, obviously, if they hadn't made it to Angel Island, then you know, then it's it's a pretty slim chance because, um, mm-hmm. uh, like, like, um, like it was said, the the currents were are, are pretty unforgiving, and the water is extremely cold. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you sort of if their raft capsized, then that that wouldn't that wouldn't spell a lot of success i don't think but and this all happened at night which yeah. which if, if something happens i mean on one unless one of them happened to be very good at reading stars and like figuring out the directions from the star map um i have a feeling it would have been very easy for them to lose their way get lost if somebody fell out or it got capsized i mean good luck finding them yeah so the odds unfortunately do not appear to be in their favor. Um, and the Pacific Ocean is vast and deep. And like, it would be pretty plausible that if they disappeared, it could have just, they could have drowned in the ocean and the body could have never been recovered. Yeah. That seems yeah. very likely. But it is kind of fun to consider like, 
what if they did make it? Yeah. Then what? Yeah. Because that there, there's so many other way, places to go if they did get really lucky and and make it somewhere. Yeah. Because yeah. like if they if they did make it, they would probably like like I would like I would make it look like I disappeared into the ocean. So like oh they stopped looking for me. Mm-hmm. They're never gonna find the body. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm like yeah. I'll, I'm up in Utah. I'm gone already. Yeah. Like <laughs> why Utah? That's the first, I'm Mormon first thing now. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> Stuck in the middle I, of nowhere. I, I can't. I can't say anything about Utah, mainly because I, I don't know. I am a humble Brit who knows next to nothing about the United States of America. Um, is Utah not a desirable place? I've never. Been Utah there. is like um, just like Utah flat. Right. It is in the West. Um, I think it's it's north of Nevada. So I think Utah is a little bit north of, but also including parts of the desert mm-hmm. in the West of the U.S. Um, but it is the Mormon capital of the world as well. Uh, so that was the first thing that came to mind. Then they'll Utah. never think to look there. I'm gone. Mormon. <laughs> I'm in the exactly. desert being a Mormon. <laughs> you're okay. yeah. You're you're with you're with the church now. <laughs> you we quite literally gave you. We just gave you to God. <laughs> um yeah but no i mean utah would very much be you know or just somewhere in the west in the middle of nowhere i think if they were to make it to land it's pretty it's pretty easy i think in the 60s compared to what it would be now to sort of make a new identity and just hitchhike get to where you need to go what ted bundy did like he had so many licenses because they didn't need photo identification yeah you just like wrote down Mm -hmm. your name and they're like oh okay like you're you're tom smith great have fun. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So these guys might just be living under like pseudonyms <laughs> now, running a, a bakery or something, probably probably laying low and not committing as many crimes because they're like, well, we don't want to do that again. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Who was, who, I don't know. West was the guy who, who committed over like, t- was, or was sent to like prison 20 times. He's probably sitting there like, haha, good thing they died because they left me behind. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to play the accordion. <laughs> <laughs> Sad accordion noises coming from West Cell. Uh. I think it's really fun to think about, like, all the possibilities of if they did make it. But, like, unfortunately, the skeptic in me thinks that the, the ocean has taken them. Just ate them up. I mean, the ocean is an unforgiving mistress, isn't it? I mean, a little bit. It, it doesn't... Un- Truly, I mean, unless one of them pulled a Moana and like befriended the ocean and was like, "Take me to the shore," you know, I think, <laughs> I think they, uh, I think they pulled a Jack from the Titanic. Just, the, just see, just oh, see no. the rock I think come, come out on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> wrong Jack, wrong oceanic Jack. <laughs> I didn't sleep much. Ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, Jack Sparrow also died too. He just got to come that, back. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. A little bit of pirate lore. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> that was great. No, I loved that. I don't know. What are what? What's the like official opinion? I think my like unfortunately boring official opinion is that they did like succumb to the waters. Well, there are many, many reported sightings um there have been many claims over the years um and they're quite that they they will definitely make you sort of be like oh okay oh oh um and yeah so i think the official 
the official official line is they they didn't make it to Angel Island. Um, but you know there are theories that that they you know there are theories that say otherwise. But we will get into them. We will get into them in a little bitty. Uh, so West was the only one of the conspirators who did not take part in the actual escape. Because he, he didn't make it out of his cell. <laughs> Slow. <laughs> oh, Wes. Whoopsie. Oh, oh. Of all West. the times to sleep in. <laughs> Alcatraz was just like, oh, so so you've escaped 20 prisons, huh? Well, you ain't escaping this one. <laughs> and they Sorry. were right. <laughs> <laughs> As a result of his full cooperation with the investigation, he was not charged with any wrongdoing. After Alcatraz was decommissioned in 1963 as a federal penitentiary, West was moved to McNeil Island, Washington, and then back to Atlanta Penitentiary. He was released in 1967 after serving his sentence and two further years in Georgia and Florida, <laughs> only to be arrested again in Florida in the following year on charges of grand larceny. He's really not... We don't learn. No. We don't learn. West, change your career <laughs> path because you're obviously not very good at what you do. So He's like the team else. rocket of criminals. <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps not doing it correctly. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> poor, poor man. Poor man. In October 1972, he fatally stabbed another inmate at Florida State Prison. <laughs> this this guy. Um, possibly in a racially motivated altercation. Oh, good stuff. He's he's a shit criminal and he's erased it on top of that. Good stuff. Absolutely that's, no redeeming qualities. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> none. Absolutely none. Uh, when he died of severe pen pen ooh, periton, I can't even Peritonitis. pronounce. That's the one. Oh, that's a way to go. The, <laughs> it's painful. <laughs> like I need to do more collabs because at least someone will actually correct my <laughs> very poor pronunciation. We're we're here if, if you I... need medical terms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, like I can imagine, like so, my mum's a nurse, and I can imagine that when she listens to my episode, and there's any sort of medical terminology, like she just sort of pinches like the bridge of her nose, and she's just like, ah. <laughs> Shout out to Some your mom. Some of them are tricky. I'll give you that <laughs> for being for being here they in are. spite of it. <laughs> like they really are. Like I mean, yeah. It it's just got to the point now where I think people listen to my, listen to my podcast are just like, yeah, this man can't read. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is he doing hosting a podcast? Honestly. Um, so when he divided, uh, when he died of severe. You're going to have to say it again, Kayla. Peritonitis. Thank you. In, in 1978, he was serving various terms, including life in jail for, the, for a murder conviction. So, I mean, this guy is just an absolute joy, isn't he? Absolute fucking joy. 
You just gotta. He's doing great. You gotta recycle that soul and try again. Something went wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you're doing one back into like a caterpillar. Yeah, like just... you gotta start from <laughs> from something a little lower in the beginning, and then work your way back up to a person, and then we can try it again. Uh, uh you're West. You're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> you're doing great. <laughs> Just stick with the accordion, join a circus, <laughs> do like street entertainment, do something. Go to Vegas. They're always looking for weirdos to play accordions. Right? Uh, on December the 16th, 1962, uh, Alcatraz inmate John Paul Scott successfully swam 2.7 nautical miles, which is uh, five kilometers or 3.1 miles from Alcatraz to Fort Point at the south at the southern end of the Golden Gate Bridge, using water wings created from inflated rubber gloves. What? Hmm. Inflated rubber gloves. Like one pair of gloves, or like? I'm I'm assuming one. I don't know. I, it it just said rubber gloves when I was um when I was looking looking it up. Huh. <laughs> that's water that's wings different. from rubber gloves. I mean, fair play to the man. <laughs> like fair play um teenagers would discover him there suffering from hypothermia and weariness uh he was immediately returned to alcatraz after healing in uh, lesserman army hospital scott is the only known instance of an alcatraz inmate swimming to the coast Hmm. Uh, today as part of uh, two yearly triathlon competitions a large number of race- races, <laughs> a large number of swimmers uh, swim the identical Alcatraz to Fort Point uh, route. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'm, that's that's not for me. I, I, not for me. <laughs> we would th- like they did that for fun. Um, yeah, they swam like people... from Alcatraz to the shores of San Francisco just for funsies, <laughs> just for shits and giggles. Yeah. No, that no, thank is you. nuts. That I <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? can you? I'm just trying to picture, like you know. Again, I'm saying this with assuming that these men succumb to the waters. Just like looking from the afterlife at like people doing like them like fighting for their lives and losing, like just people doing that for fun. Like they're sitting there, like, what the hell? <laughs> it's it's madness, absolute madness. Like triathlon athletes, fair play to you. They're built but, different. Yeah, Truly, they, they're they, built different. <laughs> they genuinely are built different. Like I'll, I will sit on, I will sit on my bed, and I will have my share bag of Doritos for myself. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> serves two. No, it bloody doesn't. That serves one. What are you doing about? Um, in 1963, uh, because it was more expensive to run than other prisons, uh, nearly ten dollars per prisoner per day compared to three dollars per prisoner per day at atlanta and because 50 years of um saltwater saturation had severely eroded the buildings alcatraz was decommissioned as a federal penitentiary hmm. which is, i suppose is the big downside of having a prison on a rock in the middle of an ocean i wonder <laughs> how they sense. keep that from happening at like rikers island because isn't rikers island a similar situation oh, but shit, in new yeah. york and I think that one is still functioning, but don't, yeah, don't quote me on sure. that. Yeah, I'm pretty Maybe sure. Maybe it depends on like 
the stone of the building yeah, maybe or maybe or they learned from hit, alcatraz and they just like made it with different stuff i have no idea i'm not sure right <laughs> whatever is, they're doing just don't right yeah. don't let the building dissolve that's your only role that's it rikers is is literally built different it's yeah built different. <laughs> just like the triathlon athletes <laughs> <laughs> After a 17-year inquiry, the FBI closed its file on December the 31st, 1979. Their official conclusion was that the inmates most likely drowned while attempting to reach Angel Island in the frigid bay waters. They cited the raft's remains as well as the men's personal things as proof that the raft broke up and sank at some point, with the three convicts succumbing to cold and their bodies being swept out to sea by the San Francisco Bay's fast currents. The FBI turned over their evidence to the United States Marshal Service, whose inquiry is still ongoing. There's an active warrant, uh, Deputy U.S. Marshal uh, Michael Dyke told NPR. The Marshal Service doesn't give up searching for people. Dyke claimed in 2009 that he was still getting leads on a regular basis. Uh, the warrant that is still active against the men uh, will be lifted in 2030 when all of the missing males will have reached the age of 100. Hmm. So it's still, there's still a warrant, which is mad because this was 1962. Mm -hmm. Wow. And it's still, there's still a warrant out, which is crazy. I just I guess they just want to cover their bases, like just in They're case like, somebody just, spots yeah, them at just like... In case. A deli downtown or something. With like his great grandkid. <laughs> right. <laughs> Clarence just wants You're coming with me. You're under arrest. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I just want my shawarma, man. Right. Just let me be. <laughs> I'm just trying to get some Capicola. Why am I being arrested? <laughs> <laughs> so over the years there have been multiple alleged sightings of the men. Uh, a few of which are pretty interesting. So let's dive into them. Another pun. Yay. Woo. <laughs> we love it. We love the water puns. We do. We do. We do love the water puns. Uh, the FBI looked into an allegation that Clarence Anglin was living in Brazil in January 1965. Agents were sent to South America, but no direct evidence of his presence was discovered. In 1967, uh, a man claimed to be Morris's classmate and that he had known him for 30 years when he called uh, the FBI. He claimed to have run into him in Maryland and characterized him as having a small beard and mustache, uh, but he refused to elaborate further. So, I mean, you're going to have to give a bit more of a description. <laughs> So he had a small, he had a small beard and a mustache. Okay. So anything else? Uh, no. No. <laughs> I mean, I say this as a Maryland resident. There, there are a lot of beards and there are a lot of mustaches. Okay, it, it doesn't really narrow it down too much. <laughs> Could he have at least specified whether or not he was a crab? <laughs> like the the agent just goes back to him. He's like back to the his office or whatever. It's just like. So we got a, a description. So, oh, yeah. So he said he's got a small mustache and a, and a beard. Uh, and he's like, anything else? No. He's like, oh, cool. <laughs> so that narrows it down to like 
a thousand other people. It's like a game of guess who, but you're only allowed to ask one question Makes- and you have to go from there. <laughs> Makes me think of Deadpool whenever he's like, have you seen this man? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, family members of the Anglin brothers occasionally received postcards and messages over the years. Most were unsigned. However, one was signed at Jerry and another Jerry and Joe. The family also produced a Christmas card Uh, purportedly received in the family mailbox in 1962, saying to mother from John, Merry Christmas. Uh, Okay, that that adds a new layer of flavor to the story. uh, There are going to be some more flavors as well. Uh, This is going to be a a bit of a smorgasbord of of flavors. I like it. It's going to be like a Neapolitan. Ooh. Yeah. But with more than three flavors. So that's probably not a seven good layer dip. So, like a jawbreaker. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> We're in a food naming competition <laughs> to name the most layered a croissant. <laughs> <laughs> An onion, they have layers. <laughs> uh, I appreciate a threat reference whenever I hear it. Oh, thank you. Another <laughs> of Anglin's 11 siblings, uh, Roberts, also said that sometimes the phone would ring and all that could be heard was breathing on the other end. Uh, Robert said, I "I suppose all that could have been pranks, but maybe it was my brother's. It was definitely some some guy just prank calling him and just breathing heavily. (laughs) That's that's upsetting. I don't think I I would want to hear that. I would actually, I would rather you ask me like if Ben Dover is home or something like that. Like say something. (laughs) Or if my refrigerator is running. Exactly. If Prince Charles is on the can. (laughs) (laughs) Does does Prince Andrew still have a sweating problem? (laughs) I need to know. Like just just tell me about my car's extended warranty. Oh my gosh. Anything but just breathing in the phone. Do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? <laughs> <laughs> you can't run uh, from the no Lord. Habla in English. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> the, the mother of the Anglin brothers received flowers anonymously every Mother's Day until her death in 1973. And two very tall, unusual women in heavy makeup were reported to have attended her funeral. Federal officials say that in the mid to late 1960s and into the 1970s, there were six or seven sightings reported of the Anglin brothers, all in North Florida or Georgia. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture like this really like somber funeral scene, and then she's just two really tall, <laughs> really tall, unusual looking women. <laughs> I don't think like the bartender from Shrek. Like I don't think that they would sort of blend in Just... very well, would they? <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, federal. Uh, oh, I've already said that. Uh, Robert said that in 1989, when the father of the Anglin brothers died, two strangers in beards showed up at the funeral home. According to Robert, they stood in front of the casket, looking at the body for a few minutes. They wept. And then they walked out. Uh, a lady named Kathy called the Unsolved Mysteries tip line in 1989 
to claim that a photograph of Clarence Anglin matched the description of a man who resided on a farm near uh, Mariana, Florida. Another woman recognised Clarence Anglin in a photo and said he resided in Mariana. She was uh, reportedly spot on with his eye colour, his height and other physical characteristics. Another eyewitness reported that a sketch of Frank Morris looked suspiciously like a man that she had seen in the neighbourhood. So those are the reported sightings that I could find. What are we thinking? Are we still, are we one side or the other? Are we still in the middle? What, what's, what's the thought process? I still think they escaped and they stabbed their raft to make it look like they died. Oh, I haven't thought of that one. That's what I'm going for. I think... I think that it definitely seems likely. I mean, why why would you leave anything intact? If you did get lucky enough to live, yeah, destroy it, make it look like you didn't. But it is weird to me that like if you were going to contact your family again, that you'd like pick up the phone and just breathe. Like, I think that one's probably a prank call. But the Christmas card kind of gets me like that's mm. weird. That would be a lot of effort to put into a prank. Yeah. And the flowers on Mother's yeah. Day. And-, and it was yeah. every every Mother's Day as well. Ah, uh, see, I might have to recant my statement because, like, mm, I don't know. I love cases That's... like this. I really do. Yes. Like, because it's just, there's no, like, clear cut yes or no. There's no clear cut they didn't make it or they did. There are so many things that are, like, that make you go, like, oh, they didn't make it. And then you'll hear something else and you're like, oh, no, actually, wait. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I love it. It's the best kind of mind fuck (laughs) um so uh so those were reported sightings as i said um so to round things off let's talk about some of the claims and the developments that have been reported over the years so a day after the escape a man posing to be or a man claiming uh, to be john anglin called a lawyer in San Francisco, uh, Eugenia uh, McGowan, to set up a meeting with the US Marshal's office. When McGowan refused, the call was cut off. Uh, A San Francisco police officer, uh, Robert uh, Cherchi, Cherchi, um, stated that he noticed an illegal boat in the harbour near Alcatraz at 1am on June the 12th. The boat left a few minutes later, heading beneath the Golden Gate Bridge. This sparked speculation that the inmates had solicited help of outsiders to transport them. Uh, Chechi's story was dismissed out of hand by the FBI. Uh, Uh, Thomas Kent, a former Alcatraz inmate, claimed to have helped plot the escape and gave important new leads to authorities on the television show America's Most Wanted in 1993. Clarence Anglin's girlfriend, he claimed, had agreed to meet the men on the beach and transport them to Mexico. He explained he couldn't swim and hence couldn't participate in the actual escape. Um, Kent's account was questioned by officials because he had been paid $2,000 for the interview. That probably took a big hit on credibility. Yeah. 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 That's it. That was going to be my first thought is, is did they offer like a massive reward or something for any tips? Cause I'm sure yeah. that was, you know, I'm picturing that scene in Anastasia where all the, 
all the random women are trying to pretend that they're Anastasia so that they can live in the palace. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's yeah. what comes to mind. <laughs> Grandmother, it's me. In 1993, uh, a man called uh, John Leroy Kelly uh, dictated to his caregiver an extensive an extensive uh, deathbed confession. Kelly stated that he and a friend in a boat picked up Morris and the Anglins and took them to the Seattle area. Uh, Kelly and his accomplice later murdered the escapees under the pretense of bringing them to Canada in order to obtain the $40,000 their families had collected for them. No human remains were discovered um, in the Seattle area where Kelly said the three escapees were buried. Uh, cool. Uh, the feasibility of an escape from the island aboard a raft built with the same materials and techniques available to the inmates were uh, was examined in a 2003 Myth- Mythbusters episode on the Discovery Channel. And the conclusion was that it was possible. Hmm. Oh, I think I remember that episode. Yeah, I don't think I watched it, but I think I'm, hmm. I remember seeing clips of it. Um, and it was it was quite interesting. And... To, it, it, it sort of throws another wrench in a bit where they, they it was proved that it was probable or possible very very interesting yeah huh. Huh. <laughs> i it's i still feel like it's unlikely but i'm not going to say for sure yeah. one way or the other D- you know did they did they make it or did they not i think it it still seems most likely that they didn't but the possibility is very much there and again, the Mother's Day flowers and the cards, like yeah. that's kind I of what's getting me. I see you're taking the sweet. Because it would be a way to be like, it would, it would just, it would just be a way for him to be like, I'm, I'm here, I'm alive, but I can't for your safety and my safety, like I can't just like show up at home. So I don't know. Yeah, Lexi's taken the Sweden mentality. <laughs> I unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I think oh, it could go either way. I wasn't way. there. I don't know. <laughs> um, according to a 2011 National Geographic Channel program titled "Vanished from Alcatraz," a raft was recovered on Angel Island on June the 12th, 1962, the day after the escape, with pr- uh, with footprints leading away from it, uh, which was contrary to the official FBI report. Moreover, on the same day, a 1955 blue Chevrolet with a California license plate uh, was reported stolen in Marin County, according to reports in the Humboldt Times and the San Francisco Examiner. Uh, The next day, a motorist in Stockton, California, about 80 miles east of San Francisco, uh, complained to the California Highway Patrol that three men in in a blue Chevrolet had forced him off the road. Uh, the same year, an 89-year-old man named Bud Morris, that's the most American name I think I've ever heard in my life, <laughs> Bud Morris. That's from Utah. <laughs> Bud, Bud Morris, Morris from, from Utah. Utah <laughs> uh, who claimed he was a cousin of Frank Morris, said that uh, on eight or nine occasions prior to the escape, he delivered envelopes of money to Alcatraz guards, presumably as bribes. He further claimed to have met his cousin face-to-face in a San Diego park shortly after the escape. His daughter, who was eight or nine years old at the time, said she was present at the meeting with dad's friend Frank, 
but had no idea about the escape. Uh, cool. According to a 2014 study of ocean currents conducted by scientists at uh, Delft University, um, the prisoners, if the prisoners had left Alcatraz at 11.30 p.m. on June the 11th, they could have made it to Horseshoe Bay, just north of the Golden Gate Bridge, and any debris would have floated to Angel Island, where the paddle and belongings were discovered. They claimed that if they departed before or after that time, the tides and currents would make their chances of survival minimal. Okay. So So that yeah, I remember the, thinking about that is were the were the tides in their favor or against their favor? And my theory that they actually did live and make it if they managed to catch the tides when they were going north is making me feel much more strongly that they did make it than otherwise. Mm. If that made sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's um it's just so fascinating. There are just so many things that are just like that just like, oh no. So this this definitely means they didn't do it. Oh no, this means that oh no, no, if they left it this time they could have made it. But if they left it this time, they probably didn't. There are just oh it's it's mm-hmm. like a It's a proper, lot of variables. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There are so many variables. Um further circumstantial evidence accumulated over the years by the Anglin family was revealed in a twenty fifteen history channel series titled alcatraz search for the truth uh, kenneth and david uh, widner presented christmas cards reportedly written by the anglins and received by family members for three years following their escape while the anglins handwriting was confirmed none of the envelopes included a stamp making it impossible for experts to verify when they were delivered the family cited a story from family friend uh, Fred Brizzy, who grew up with the brothers and claimed to have recognized them in Rio de Janeiro uh, in 1975. They uh, produced photographs uh, purportedly taken by Brizzy, including one of two men who, was accor- who according to Brizzy, were John and Clarence Anglin, standing next to a large termite mound. Other photos showed a Brazilian farm that Brizzy claimed was owned by the two men. What is such a random, massive termite mound? That's such a random thing to be photographed next to. A termite mound. It's an impressive thing. I've never (laughs) seen a termite mound. Yeah, they're huge. I guess. (laughs) I think they can get between five and six feet. I'm pretty sure. They can get tall. (laughs) It can get like... um, the size of me that is craziness i am a pretty tall man (laughs) how big can termites (laughs) get come on google uh whoa see we answer the real question they can reach seven i thought that 15 or sorry five meters and higher which works out to 17 feet Okay, that's a lot taller than me. That's a lot of termites. <laughs> that's, that's 17 that's terrifying. feet. Jesus Christ. That is... That's a sky... That's a skyscraper. That is, that is like... Way too much. The Burj Khalif for, for termites. So in this episode, we have uncovered that 17 feet is too high of a termite mound. And 15 children is way too many children. <laughs> Don't don't say that my podcast is not educational. Yes. And Alfred is a terrible <laughs> and name. Alfred I'm is sorry. a terrible, terrible <laughs> name. See, we we learn as well as horrify at horror house. 
there's probably there's probably like an, an Alfred or an Alfie like listening to this episode and they're just like, hey. Oh guys. Oh, that's like one one less listener. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Alfred. You you, you just pour one out for the Pour Alfred one out for the Alfred. It's <laughs> not my fault your family hated you, buddy. Sorry. Uh, Batman liked <laughs> Alfred, so keep that in that, mind. I, yes. That is true. <laughs> That is, can you imagine Batman just like pounds down my door? Just been like, you talking about Alfred? But no, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Are you talking shit? <laughs> <laughs> I am the knight. Um, forensic experts working for the family confirmed that the photos uh, were taken in 1975 and asserted that the two men were more than likely the Anglins although the age and condition of the photo and the fact that both men were wearing sunglasses hindered efforts to make a definitive determination. Uh, Brizzy also presented an alternative escape theory. Rather than use the raft to cross the bay, he said they paddled around the island to the boat dock where they attached an electrical cord, which was reported missing from the dock on the night of the escape, to the rudder of a prison ferry that departed the island shortly after midnight and were towed behind to the mainland. That... Don't know how much I don't I know. So that. these men so. were obviously very, very smart. So I'm starting to think they, they probably did take the temperature and the currents into consideration and had like plans like B, C, D, E all the way to Z just in mm. case. So maybe they did. Maybe they, they got to the water. They're like, oh, no, like, we can't do this. Like, we maybe. have an accordion. We don't have, like, an anchor. <laughs> <laughs> so they went, they went around yeah, the like, rock. Yeah, go to the prison ferry. Like, Look, I know, I, know that we're, I know that we're technically escaping. Ticket, I know, I know, I know how this looks. But we, got an, uh, they, we might be able to get the accordion back from West and we can play you some music. Just please tow us to the mainland. <laughs> please, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, Art Roderick, a retired U.S. Uh, marshal who had once headed the investigation and later worked with the Anglin family, uh, called Brizzy's photograph of the two men absolutely the best action uh, actionable lead we've had, but added it could still all be a nice story, which isn't true, or that the photograph could be a misdirection aimed at steering the investigation away from the Anglin's actual whereabouts. Um, Michael Dyke, uh, as I said, who was the last deputy um, marshal assigned to the case, said that Brizzy was a drug smuggler and a con man and was suspicious of his account. Michael Dyke does not like, <laughs> does not like Brizzy, I don't think, by that statement. Um, Brizzy's widow said that she never heard him mentioning seeing the Anglin brothers in Rio and that he was a con man who was prone to making up stories. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, widow, just like, just, just being like, Brizzy, you, you're <laughs> fucking lying. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> uh, he's, he's not getting a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of love, is he? Bless him. Um, an expert working for the US Marshal Service did not believe the photograph was legitimate. Uh, Dyke said measurements of the physical characteristics of the Anglin brothers indicate that they are not the men in the Brazil photo, but he acknowledged the difficulty in making a definitive determination 
and ruling it out as a valid lead. In uh, January 2020, so relatively recent, um, an Irish creative agency and AI specialists at uh, Identiv used facial recognition techniques to conclude that the men in the photo were John Hmm. and Clarence Anglin. That's kind of damning, yeah. Mm. A lot of uh, a lot of counter counter like counter arguments here. A lot of something will cancel out something. It seems. Um, uh, uh, Robert Anglin reportedly told family members before his death in 2010 that he had been in contact with John and Clarence from 1963 until approximately 1987. Surviving family members who said. They were. They have heard uh, nothing since Robert lost contact with the brothers in 1987. Announced plans to travel to Brazil to conduct a personal search, uh, but Roderick uh, cautioned that they could be arrested by Brazilian authorities because the Alcatraz escape remains an open Interpol case. In uh, 2018, the FBI confirmed the existence of a letter allegedly written by John Anglin and received by the San Francisco Police Department in 2013. The writer asserted that Frank Morris died in 2008 and was buried in uh, Alexandria under a different name and Clarence Anglin died in 2000, uh, 2011. The, his purpose in writing the letter, he states, was to negotiate his surrender in exchange for medical treatment of his cancer. The letter's authenticity was deemed inconclusive. Um, And to finish things off with the theories and all that jazz, uh, investigative journalist um, Christoph uh, Putzel, or I think I butchered that, but (laughs) hey-ho. Sounds right. I mean, it sounded... (laughs) vaguely similar to what was written down so i'm going to take that as a win um (laughs) validated much of the evidence supplied by the fbi and other sources including the raft found on angel island in a 2019 episode of the series mission uh, declassified he cited reports several reports mentioning a blue chevrolet with the same description as the one stolen after the escape that was spotted in oklahoma Indiana, Ohio, and South Carolina, where the three men matching the escapee's description attempted to obtain a residence in the woods three months after the escape. And that is the 1962 escape from Alcatraz. So, after all of that, did they survive the escape attempt and ride off into the sunset, or did they drown in the cold, unpredictable San Francisco Bay. What do we think, ladies? I'm dying on my hill of that they <laughs> survived. <laughs> so, no, I got to say, initially, I was like, you know, not that there's no way, but I was just in the camp of so, so, so unlikely that they actually made it. But after taking into consideration the fact that they likely, pl- I mean, they they planned so intricately to get out of the prison there's no way they just stopped there i mean they probably took into account the direction the weather um the the currents 
And if they knew that the current was going to be on their side in getting them, pushing them to Angel Island, I think it's, I think it's actually more likely than I initially thought that they survived and they just kept a low profile. Okay. No, I, I... What do you think? So, I think, I think that if, if all of the variables worked in their favor, so if they launched at the time, uh, I think it was, wasn't it, wasn't it midnight? They said that if they launched sort of at midnight, they would have been okay. If they did it either before or after, they probably wouldn't have made it. But I think if, if everything went their way and they were able to get to Angel Island, I, I think there's a good chance they, they would have made it. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of evidence that are, that's just making me think that can't be a coincidence. I feel like one or two things could be a coincidence, but like mm. possible pictures, flowers, yeah. cards, funerals. I think that's too many coincidences. Yeah, yeah. It's and it, it seems elaborate for if it for it to be a prank. You know, I mean, yeah. the breathing on the phone. Yeah, okay, sure. But the flowers, the funerals, the fact that there was allegedly photographs, which experts said that, you know, it matched the description. Yeah. Like, it's just a lot of things that are kind of like, oh, maybe maybe they did make it and they just were smart and didn't commit more crimes, you know, and change yeah. their identities. Yeah. Because I feel like if you get out of Alcatraz, that's truly a one in a million chance. Yeah. Yeah, might oh, as well grab it by um, the balls. I think yes. as well, like now there are so many there are so many cameras around, there are so many surveillances, you know, around, and the police have so many weapons that they can use now to find people. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in 1962, they wouldn't have had that. So it would have been easier for them to get, you know, as as you said, Kayla, it would have been easier for them to get new identities. It would have been easier for them to uh you know, maybe steal a car and not have it traced in and all this other stuff. It reminds me a little bit of DB Cooper in the fact that that is still very much a did he mm-hmm. did he make it? Did he die in the fall? You know, it's yeah. I I don't know if I can commit like to one. This is a very like safe answer, isn't it? But I don't know if I can commit to. <laughs> to one end or the other i'm i'm being very sweden in my answer i was gonna say um, you're playing sweden too i am playing sweden um i i think my, my gut says that they they made it but like the realist in me is like they also there's also a very good chance they didn't that's such a cop-out Oh. <laughs> no, I'm I'm of the same camp. I literally cannot say for sure. You know, I can't say for sure what I believe. I genuinely think that either possibility is given the evidence, it really could go either yeah. way. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I just I have no way of knowing. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of fun that I have no way of knowing. Like it could have went either way, but to me, I think it's a higher possibility that these men were smart enough to do all this other stuff. They probably would have taken all those other variables into consideration because like this wasn't like there was a, this was their first rodeo at Alcatraz, but like if they've been in prison and arrested before, they're, I don't know. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. know a thing or two. Yeah. Yeah. They've had experience of of breaking out, haven't they? So even though, you know, they've never they would have never broken out of Alcatraz, they know 
they know what they they know the things they needed to do to you know to even sort of get out of their cell and get on the roof for example Mm -hmm. you know so yeah it's it's in it's a fascinating case um i've read up on it quite a few times and like ever since i started the podcast i was like right i am that is an episode that i want to do um and i want to do it with other people i don't want to do it as a single a single hosted episode i want to get other people in so you know we can bounce off each other and mm-hmm. exchange ideas but it's a juicy peach of a case it's a juicy peach we it love is. a juicy peach oh that's a good way to describe it <laughs> so just as a reminder ladies for anyone who may have forgotten um where can people find your show i know you've already said but just as a little reminder uh, where can people find your show and where can they follow you Uh, You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, You can just look up a little Wicked and I'm sure we'll pop up. Um, We're on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer, anywhere that you find podcasts. We're we're there under true crime, paranormal, and conspiracies. Wonderful, wonderful. So you can find Horror House on all podcasting apps. um, And on Instagram and Twitter, you can find the podcast at horrorhouse underscore pod. And on Facebook, you can find the podcast at Horror House Pod. I will say that I am a lot more active on Instagram and Twitter. I've severely neglected the Facebook page recently, um, <laughs> but I will. I will do my every time I'm like up, you know, up, upload the, you know, put the episodes um, on fate or say that you've uploaded a new episode on Facebook. Every time I say that, like a week will go by, and I'll be like, I haven't done it. <laughs> So, sorry to everyone who's... Ours automatically goes up. I think there's a way to do it. Oh, okay. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ours just automatically posts. I'm, I'm going to have to have a look at that because I, nice. I I know for a fact that, like, I haven't put today's episode up yet. <laughs> so, and it's like nearly <laughs> 10 o'clock right. at night. <laughs> like, um, also, check out the merch store. Uh, plus, I have a new logo. So, I'm going to be adding some new merch as well. Uh, so keep an eye out for that also rate and review both horror house and a little wicked we both uh, deserve five stars just saying if you don't give us five stars our legal teams will be in touch (laughs) (laughs) like you're gonna hear from you're gonna hear from alfred (laughs) (laughs) actually no alfred's the one giving us the one star review (laughs) that's who that is Every Alfred, like that's a list. Just be like you know what, one. <laughs> Alfred, and we've started the war on Alfred. Alfred and um, who was who was the other girl, or who was the other person? Ginger with a J. Alfred and oh, because I thought yeah. her name was Ginger. Alfred, Alfred and Ginger slash that's... Ginger are gonna give us one stars as well. <laughs> They're gonna like oh, review that's, bombers. That's my. <laughs> That's my most embarrassing moment in a while was thinking for years that this woman's name was Jinger instead of Ginger. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Ginger Duggar. I didn't mean to do you like this. You done a dirty, Lexi. I did. Yeah, you did a dirty. <laughs> so all that's left to say is uh, until next time, stay spooky. Kayla and Lexi, would you like to do a little sign-off too? I would say that was a little wicked. (laughs) That's our usual (laughs) (laughs) sign-off.
Oh, I like it. That was. I mean, I've heard it many times before, but that was that. I like it. That was deeply Ooh. wicked. That was. Wait, let me pull up my list of. That was totally. Um, let me pull up my list of '90s slang. That was. Why don't you marry it, wicked? Bodacious. I wicked. I forgot to categorize the list. <laughs> like bodacious. That was better. Than bodacious was... wicked. Oh, that's brilliant. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna end on it was bodaciously wicked that's a, that's like it. a good side off bye <laughs> bye